Matt Step, I mean this. I think I've talked to you more in the past 72 hours than I've talked with my wife. I'm sorry. Tough and Step, your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends, your amigos, your Texas high school football first responders. Your hombres. At Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep, Greg Tepper. And I am the Step, Matt Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. And I'm presuming you have already listened to the other three episodes of Tep and Step that we've put out. So here's a fourth. Here's an, here's another one. For, You're just for tired of us. Me. There's more of us. Golly. Uh, and it, I feel so bad because... I really do, and I know you're not a huge six-man guy. I do think you should go listen to the the podcast I did with Granger Huntress, sixmanfootball.com, previewing the 1A games, because it's really good. Like, I mean, you mentioned on the last podcast, like Granger knows his stuff. That is the soup that he swims in, and it's really, really interesting to get into the nitty-gritty of like what he thinks is going to matter in those games. And then and then the Balmary Richardson Spring game gets banged. Yeah. It's just like, oh. 2020 don't, don't stop. It really, really don't. In any case, we're not here to talk about 1A. No, no, no. We already did that. We're here to talk about 6A and 5A as we are into the area round of the Texas high school football playoffs. This is your area round preview edition of Tep and Step. Uh, Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider. Let's first start with a nice look back at the first round of the Texas high school football playoffs in 6A and 5A, which I would categorize as quite chalky, except where it wasn't, in which case it was ridiculous. Yeah, you know, the first round of playoffs, generally speaking, does have a lot of of blowouts and a lot of, you know, games that that don't have a lot of meaning when it comes to the later rounds of the playoffs as far as the state championships go. But, Clear favorites. Yeah, but there there always are those few, um, and I, we haven't looked at. I think I don't think we've sat down and looked at it to see how many. The problem is in six A, four seeds don't play one seeds uh, mm-hmm. because of the division, the, the post division split. But I know, you know, for me, the um, obviously Judson and Lake Travis losing in six A, just kind of sending Region Four, especially in Division Two, into a real just kind of. I don't know who's going to win at this point. Um, to uh, Lake Travis, you know, us not getting Lake Travis and Westlake this year. Um, and then the 5A, you know, Division One, especially, you know, Mansfield Summit going on the road to Abilene and not mm-hmm. only beating Abilene Cooper, but throttling Abilene Cooper, I think was 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 probably for me in 5A Division One the biggest quote-unquote upset. I, I know Hightower beat Port Arthur Memorial. Hightower's not your average four seed, and clearly Mansfield Summit's not either. I, I mm-hmm. thought Hightower had a pretty good chance in that game. Um, just looking at the schedules and everything, yeah. Mansfield, like Mansfield Summit, you can make a case that they're the fifth best best team in their district. Um, and they got in based on a wonky tiebreaker and and just went out there and throttled a district champion on the road. That was really yeah. impressive stuff from from Shannon Hall's ball club. Well, and and you don't want to you don't want to extrapolate too too much from one result because maybe Cooper just had a bad game or Summit just played their their you know their absolute best or anything in between but i do wonder if that is a at least the hint of a referendum on dfw versus west texas mm-hmm. and 
I got it. I mean, I'm, I would need to look up and down the bracket and figure it out. But I do think that when you take a look overall, it's been a lot of, I mean, we'll, we'll find out there's a couple other big showcase matchups this week, as far as, especially in the six, a ranks of, um, you've got, ga- you've got games between DFW and, and West Texas, and we'll find out for sure. Yep. But for, if you want to read tea leaves and you want to read probably too much into one game, then that Summit Abilene Cooper game, if you're a West Texas fan, should should send up that should send uh, set off alarms for sure, for sure. Because now yeah. you got Tascosa playing, Tascosa taking on Summit this week, Lovett Cooper taking on Azel, Lovett mm-hmm. Coronado taking on Azel, mm-hmm. excuse me, um, Amarillo taking on Colleyville Heritage. Uh, you got Permian and South Lake Carroll, San Angelo versus you got a lot of a lot of those West Texas yeah. versus DFW matchups for this week. So. Uh, we're gonna get you know in the biggest game. I think we'll probably end up talking about is you know to me is the Midland Lee Eagles trend. Yeah, right. So you know overall, when you take a look at the at the at the by district round, it, the the ones that jump out of you for again, I just I'll be honest. I like the. I know they were bigger underdogs, quote unquote, according to the computer, but Round Rock Lake Travis doesn't come as a total shocker to me, um, because Round Rock had been playing so well. They had, um, and who had Lake Travis beaten all year? Like we really didn't know how good Lake Travis is because they didn't beat anyone of note this year. Their best win is over Hayes Consolidated. Yeah, I mean that's 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 the thing is that like we just don't we'll never know how good that team was. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, but the one that got me was on Saturday when suddenly is David Hinojosa at the San Antonio. He's still at the San Antonio Express News, right? Yes. Yeah, when David Hinojosa at the San Antonio Express News starts tweeting into the fourth quarter, and San Antonio Roosevelt, Matt Carroll and company mm-hmm. are uh, are taking it to 28-21. They beat Converse Judson, and I mean that's that's a legit like fall out of your chair upset there yeah. in, in 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 region in a, in a region that. Looked like it had one team that was probably the chalky favorite in Judson, and now is like, uh, yeah, we all picked them. We all yeah. were unanimous in picking Judson. So, you know, Judson, I don't, I don't know if their loss to Smithson Valley in week 11 just kind of foretold what was going to happen, but they, they just ended the season not playing very well. You know, I yeah. asked some people, I said, hey, did Judson have guys out due to COVID? Was there injuries? No, they just didn't play well. So, mm. you know, credit hey, to, credit to the yeah. Rock Riders. Credit to the Rough Riders, great defensive effort. I mean, really, really impressive from San Antonio Roosevelt. So they are through to the area round. Okay, speaking of the area round, let's go there. It's time for our draft. We're going to go back and forth. This is your first time with Tep and Step. Welcome. This is our game draft. We go back and forth selecting games that we are most interested in this week. Any of the 64, 6A, and 5A games is on the board. Who gets to play on Christmas Let's find out. Yeah. Who gets to practice? Uh-huh. I don't think anybody practice on Christmas Day, but Christmas week. Christmas week. Um, we will find out uh, this week. Uh, and so we will go back and forth. We had a coin flip before the show. Step won the coin flip, so he gets to pick 1-1 in the area round draft. Step, where are you going? It's a hell of a week in Houston this week, so I'm going straight to Houston, 6 o'clock Friday night at Legacy Stadium in Katy as the Cy Fair Bobcats at 10-1. and one. Take on the Katie Tompkins Falcons at nine and zero in a really really intriguing uh, area round playoff game in, in Division One Region Three, um, and you know we talked about it. We 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 thought this is when this is when their games really start to heat up in this in this region. We got some great games. You know North Shore's playing Pearland Dawson this week. Um, Atascacita is playing Pearland. Got some really good matchups, and to me this is this is the best one. Um, 
Cy Fair last week. You know, he lost that game against Bridgeland in the season finale. Uh, came out last week, dominated Houston Westside 47-7. to um, You know, LJ Johnson, you know, 154 yards, two touchdowns, only played the first half. Um, I thought it was interesting that, that, that the Bobcats busted out the passing game in this game. Carter Cravens throws four touchdown passes in the ball game. To I think hopefully, what kinda, is this sorcery, Chip Miller? Yeah, what, and I think this is this is one of those deals where they're 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 showing Tompkins, hey, we can throw the ball if you if you put nine guys in the box and try to slow down our mm-hmm. running game, we will go over the top on you. That, that's one of those shots across the bow kind of things where where Cy Fair is showing them that hey, you know, don't be so quick to to load the box because if you do, we're we're going to go over the top on you. Um, so about what you expect from Cy Fair uh, against an overmatched first round opponent for sure. Um, Tompkins, uh, you know, Fort Bend Travis, a little bit stronger opponent than what Cy Fair faced last week in Travis, um, in Fort Bend Travis, it's a solid team there, but, uh, Tompkins dominates him 42 to 10, uh, really has no trouble there. Um, Jalen Milrow, um, throws a couple of touchdown passes, but, but I, I think the, this is a team that, that relies more on the running game. You know, Milrow, the Alabama commit gets the headlines, but they're, their one-two punch of Marquis Shoulders and Sherman Smith uh, are really what makes this Tompkins offense go. And, and as the season has progressed, you know, when I saw Tompkins in week two against Clear Springs, I don't think they had found that offensive identity yet. They were still kind of struggling and trying to figure that out. Um, the defense was already playing great, and they've, been, they've played great all year. But I think as the season's wore on, I think Tompkins has found that identity, and it centers around um, their running game and their offensive line. Um, so what I expect in this ballgame is a, is a low-scoring defensive struggle. These are two good defenses, two teams who like to run the ball. I, I think points are going to be at a premium here. It's going to be a field position kind of game and, and those types of things. Um, I think in the end, Milrose the difference, though. I think mm-hmm. Tompkins has that one ace up the, up the sleeve that Cy Fair does not have in Jalen Milrow, and I think when it comes to the fourth quarter and winning time, he's going to make some plays. It could be with his arm. It could be with his legs. But he's going to make a couple of plays in the end and lead Tompkins to what I think is going to be a very close victory. Yeah, it's going to be a game dictated. I, I say this a lot, but it's a game dictated by pace. You know what I mean? Like Cy Fair, we know how they want to play. Like we know that they want to grind you out. We know the, the running game is, is really solid for them. Uh, Tompkins is a little bit more explosive. You know, Tompkins wants to hit some plays. And, and yeah, I'm, it's, I'm glad you mentioned the running game. I think people look at Jalen Milrow and they say, okay, well, they're just, you know, that they're they're an air raid and they're not they are fundamentally like a power spread you know what i mean like they are um they run the ball a lot out of that out, out of that 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 formation uh but they got the guy and he's the guy now uh, i do think it's interesting because i think that actually the tompkins offense and the bridgeland offense probably compare a little bit um <laughs> Tompkins probably runs the ball a little bit more than Bridgeland does, but I mean it's it's pretty. They're pretty. They're pretty. I would I would kind of I'd be comfortable putting them in the same bucket. And what has Cy Fair learned from that? Like because they got they got they got beat up a little bit by Bridgeland offensively. Sure. Yeah. And and if they and and I also think that Tompkins probably had as good, maybe slightly better of a defense than Bridgeland. At which point that would give them the, the edge. So a lot of this comes down to the adjustments that Cy Fair has made since that game. Um, and yeah, I think it's a really interesting game. And, and what does the winner get? I need to pull up the bracket. North Shore. Uh, North, okay. North Shore, <laughs> North Shore or Pearland Dawson. I, you know, I want to give Pearland Dawson an undefeated team. So uh, either North Shore or Pearland Dawson. All right. It's going to be fun. That's a good pick. I am going to dip down to 5A Division 2. 
And I'm going to go, this is maybe a little bit off the board, but it's the game I'm really interested in. And it's 7 o'clock Friday night in Cedar Park at Gupton Stadium as the Liberty Hill Panthers take on the Bernie Champion Chargers. And so I had, we knew, this was something that's kind of fascinating to me. We knew that Liberty Hill's uh, uh, district was not very good. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we knew it. So I kind of crunched the numbers and I figured out, okay, they have uh, – their opponents are a combined 31 and 48 on the year. Like, not good. That includes last week their playoff game with Leander Glenn. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, though. Bernie Champion's in the same boat. Bernie Champion has not played a murderer's row. In fact, they their opponents have a worse combined winning percentage than Liberty Hills. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think there's, and this is a strange situation to be in here in the second round of the playoffs, but I think there's a real argument that this is the toughest game for both of these teams so far, which is a strange thing to say. Well, you need to take a look at Bernie Champion. I do think that, I think this offense is probably not being talked about enough, especially, I think their quarterback, uh, Carson Kaiser, he's been really sharp. He's been really sharp, and he was very sharp last week against Cal Chelsea. They run the ball pretty well with Alex Rodriguez, um, and they just you know they take care of business. Liberty Hill, uh, big emotional win last week over Leander Glenn, um, and uh, you know look they do what they do they they run the slot tee, mm-hmm. and and with Trey Seward and Blake Simpson they they are running it about as well as anybody in the state right now. Um, and the defense has been spectacular. I mean, they're beating their opponents by an average of 45 points a game. And so, you know, a lot of this comes down to can Bernie Champion handle the slot T? Uh, a lot of this comes down to what does Liberty Hill do against the best offense they've seen this year? And, I I mean, look, I've got to be real. Like, is there an, like last week was a super emotional week for Liberty Hill. It, the last three weeks with the death of Jeff Walker have been very emotional. Is there a letdown? Is there just a an exhaustion from that 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 you know? And you can't you know you can't predict it. That's the thing. So it's a really interesting game for a lot of different reasons. And I also think, look, you look at five A Division One Region Four, and it's like, yeah, Sherilyn Pioneers there, and they're interesting. Although they got a weird test with Marble Falls this week. Talk about a Styles clash, right? Um, I think there's a fair argument to be made that the winner of this game is the favorite in Region Four. I mean, when you look up and down, I think that I think that, that, that you can make a real argument that whoever comes out of this uh, is uh, maybe assumes the the role of team to beat in Region Four. Absolutely, and you look at the at the the records of the teams, and, and they do match up. I think Bernie Champion clearly, when you when you really dig into the schedule, has played. Uh, a little bit tougher of a schedule than yes. Liberty Hill, um, so I, I think that they're a little more battled. I mean, they've you know they they, they beat San Antonio Veterans Memorial. That was a playoff team in five A Division One. They lost a six point game six point game to Harker Heights. That's a six A playoff team there, mm-hmm. and they lose to uh, Alamo Heights twenty three to twenty in the in the district uh, kind of basically the district championship game. So I think those three games probably to me are those three wins are probably better. Those three ball games are tougher than anyone Liberty Hills faced this year. Um, and yeah. Liberty Hill's best win is probably against Del Valley, which is a, um, you know, a six A kind of middle of the road team that I think finished fifth in their district. So that's that is a, a concern when I look at Liberty Hill. Um, mm-hmm. 
have they haven't beaten I, I don't know, I think we know how good they are at this point. I think we, we believe they're really good, but just by based on their pedigree, but this will be their first real this will be yeah. this will clearly be their best win of the year. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, and, and you're right. I think the um the uh, the the real X factor in this game is Liberty Hill and and kind of their emotional you mm-hmm. know what their fuel tank is like this week. You know, they they, they were running on adrenaline last week and you know you could tell you know, what happened with Coach Walker, they were really fired up and ready to go. But now, you know, they got five more of these possibly to play. Does that, does that, does it, are they spent going into this yeah. game? You know, that's a, that's a big, really good that's a big question. So um, I think it's a fascinating matchup. And you're right. I, I think this is going to be uh, potentially a very high scoring game between two teams that are very different in how they go about their offensive business, but are yeah. equally effective. It's going to be very, very interesting. Seven o'clock Friday at Gupton's Stadium. All right, what is your second pick, Matthew? I'm going to go with my Saturday night game, and that's a 7.30 Saturday night at Globe Life Park as the Midland Lee Rebels uh, take the trip east four and a half hours, five hours really on I-20 uh, to take on the Trinity Trojans who have about a 15-minute bus ride to the state. Did they? I presume they flipped for this. No, I I think Coach Hartman, Coach Hartman is not afraid of traveling, and he, he wanted to get in a big venue. Um, okay. I think he wanted to get in a bigger venue where he could the band and, and his fans wouldn't have he wouldn't have to limit his because Midland, Midland Lee is going to travel. Yeah, you know, make no mistake about it. There's gonna be a big crowd at Globe Life Saturday night, and a good portion of that will be Midland, Midland Lee folks. Um, and I think he wanted to give his fan base a chance to everybody to come and not have to worry about limiting limiting tickets and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. You know, Globe Life even with COVID restrictions, Globe Life Park uh, can easily seat fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, you look at Midland Lee. This is a this is this is going to be a shootout. I think. I mean, I think both both of these offenses, uh, their strength is directly opposed to the opposing defense's weakness. Um, Midland Lee and their their high powered passing offense led by Mikey Serrano, um, they are going to attack the Trinity secondary. And Trinity's weakness in, on defense is in the back four. Um, you know, they they threw up fifty six points in the first half. Granted, it was against El Paso Montwood, and Montwood really wasn't. Uh, that good th- this year, but Middle East done this to everyone. They have put up big point numbers on everyone they've played. They've mm-hmm. got a lot of weapons: Shamar Davis, Mikaelin Young, Christian Romero, um, to go along with Serrano. I mean, he he's got multiple weapons to spread the ball around to. They're gonna they're gonna put up numbers. They're gonna run that up tempo offense, and they're gonna try to wear the Trinity defense down. The same token, Trinity. We know what Trinity's gonna do. They are gonna line up in the I formation, and they're gonna run the football behind that massive offensive line, and they're going to try to wear Midland Lee down because Midland Lee's weakness is the front seven. So mm-hmm. you look at, the, you know, and last week, you know, it was the Ollie Gordon and Gary Maddox show. I think uh, the quarterback um, for uh, Trinity threw four passes, and I think one other running back had like four carries. Other than that, it was Ollie Gordon and Gary Maddox. And Gordon ran for 258 yards and four touchdowns. Maddox ran for 111 yards and two touchdowns um, in a 44-20 win over Keller Timber Creek. And let me tell you that it was not that close. That game was 38-3 at the end of three, and Trinity pulled their starters. So you look at – or late in the third. I think, I think it was 38-6 at the end of the third. But Trinity had already pulled their starters you know, in the third quarter. Um, so I think this comes down to which defense, which defense can, can, can scramble – and find a way to get a stop. And, Two stops. Yeah, yeah. Find a way to get some stops. You know, a stop a half at least. Um, whoever can do or force a turnover, something. Uh, whoever can get that edge is, I think, is going to win this ball game. And that edge, I think, goes to Trinity. 
I, I, I'm a little more confident in Trinity's defense than, than I am. Because Midland Lee's defense, the problem when you play Trinity is, is sometimes it's not about scheme. Sometimes you, just, mm-hmm. sometimes you just get bludgeoned over the head, and there's really not much you can do about it. And you, you can know what's coming, but if Trinity just overwhelms you with strength and size, there's not much you can do. And I think that's why I think Midland Lee's going to have a real difficult time slowing Trinity down. Unless Trinity gets off schedule and has mm-hmm. an untimely holding penalty and throws them off, I, I just don't see Midland Lee slowing them down. Well, and a lot, you know, look, a lot of this, again, you know, it, it's two things. One, um, you know, it, it is a a bit of uh, this is one of the probably the, the best game as far as a referendum on DFW versus West Texas. And and that's not to say that that West Texas is not, um, you know, they're not monolithic, certainly. But, you know, generally speaking, generally speaking, when West Texas plays DFW in recent years, DFW's won. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that they have won, I think, is because these D- these DFW teams, I think, in my opinion, have superior depth. I think that's a big part of it. I think they have depth, and and I wonder, you know, is Midland Lee going to wear down in the fourth quarter? That's what Midland Lee does, or I'm sorry, what what El pa- uh, Trinity does. They wear teams down. Like if you take a look at who Midland Lee has lost to in recent years, right? They lost to like South Lake Carroll last week, last year, um, where they've got you know they were just basically. I mean, I don't want to say they were outskilled, but like they had some. They had Quinn Ewers. You know what I mean? It's like Quinn Ewers is he's going to do what what Quinn Ewers do. It's not that. What's interesting is that Midland Lee traditionally is not a team that's bad in the fronts. You know what I mean? They generally have some beef, but this year you're right that the front seven has been a bit of an issue with them. I mean, you saw it in their loss to Euless, or to or Odessa Permian. Permian had plenty of time to throw. They were able to run the ball whenever they wanted and stuff like that. So can they match up and play it to a draw in the trenches? But that's kind of always the question whenever you play a Trinity. This game's really interesting because the one thing I, I will say is – you know, look, let's be honest about the reputations of these two teams in the playoffs recently. They're kind of polar opposite. Mm-hmm. Midland Lee, when they get in the playoffs, under Clint Hartman, it's been their time. Like, they are, they go out there and they overachieve, yeah, right? Or they, they, you know, two of the last three years, they've been in the third round. Yeah, they go out there and they overachieve. And let's be real, for Euless Trinity, the past couple of years, they go out there and they, they don't play to their paper. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So... Can they can they reverse the whip? That's that's an interesting thing. I think that you're right. I lean towards Trinity, but there's so many different variables in this game that get me like really excited to see how it ends up playing out because I do think this is this is really hard to call because there are so many different things, different moving parts here. So should be fun. All right, that's a good pick. That's your second pick. What am I going to do? Okay, I know what I'm going to do. My second pick. Let's go to. Waco, 7 o'clock Friday night at McLean Stadium in Waco as the Rockwall Heath Hawks take on the Temple Wildcats in a game that is just dripping with storylines. Correct. <laughs> yeah. really is. Um, okay, we'll start here. The head coach at Rockwall Heath is Mike Spradlin. Mm-hmm. Mike Spradlin used to be the head coach at Temple. Spent five years leading the Wildcats. Yes. Did he, did yeah. he do a, they, they played for one state championship under Coach Spradlin, didn't they? 2016, I want to say, right? 
that was there. No, that was 2014. They lost to Alito. They lost to Alito. That's, yeah. that's right. And they lost to Highland Park under Coach Stewart in 2016. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. <laughs> so, how would you describe? If we could. We could. We let's be. Let's be. Um, let's be gentlemanly here. How would you describe the relationship between Temple and Mike Spradlin? I don't think it's great. I think it's a little. I think it's a little icy. Yeah, I. You know, Spradlin. At the time, he didn't leave Temple under what we would consider bad terms. But I, I think when he left Temple to take the AD job at Magnolia, um, I think there were at least the folks in Temple. Now you can, you know, this is taking their word against you know potentially Coach mm-hmm. Spradlin's word, but they they were kind of under the impression that Coach Spradlin told them that he was never going to coach, like be a head coach again. That he was leaving. He was going to go. He was going to go to Magnolia and be uh, the athletic director of Magnolia ISD, which has two high schools, and that he his coaching days were done. Mm-hmm. And then he pops up a couple of years later and takes the Rockwall Heath job. Right. I think people and people people on Temple are like. I think you know, they're a little. I they're a little bent out of shape about well, it. They, they're a little slighted. I think they're like you know they feel a little slight because they're very proud of their program at Temple. Yeah. Temple is a, a proud place. You don't leave Temple to go other places. Yeah, you know that's de- Temple's a destination. Correct. You know? So there's there's some there's some weirdness there for sure. I think. And so now they play in Waco, and Mike Spradlin's bringing with him an offense, mm-hmm. and it's got a flamethrower offense, a hellacious offense. Okay, Zach Evans, the running back, not that Zach Evans. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. Been, it's weird, isn't it? You get you got two Zach Evans in the Metroplex, uh, but he has been fabulous. Their quarterback Josh Hoover, who we knew was going to be good, is good. I mean, their offense is lighting teams up. Temple is a year ahead of schedule. They are not supposed to be here yet. They are a team that is supposed to be uh, ready in 2021. You know what I mean? This was a team that I think is going to be um, uh, ready ready in 2021. A lot of their key guys are juniors. Mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. of their key guys are juniors, but yet the moment has not been too big for them. The moment has been, you know, right in their wheelhouse. Umberto Arismendi is a really nice quarterback. Uh, and to me, the thing that Temple does and is kind of, you know, whenever Temple's great, it's because they have a great defense and mm-hmm. they have a great defense. Yes, well. they've got some do. I, I saw Temple in the season opener. Haven't seen them since then, but just what what I saw in the season opener, re- opener really impressed me. They got they, some dudes. They fly around. They're, these are two young teams because Heath is pretty young as well, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, offensive side of the ball. Um, I really like this Temple Ball Club. They've got that edge about them, and and even though they're a year early, um, they're 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 playing like a veteran ball. Club. I mean, at this point, all those sophomores are playing. Those guys are all juniors at this point. Yeah. They've all played, you know, ten, eleven games already. So they're they they got that veteran experience now, uh, and that's a fat that's going to be a fascinating matchup because that that Rockwell Heath offense with uh, Josh Hoover, Jay Fair, uh, mm-hmm. Zach Evans that that's a that's a high flying offense and. And that matchup with the Temple defense against the Rockwell Heath offense, I think is going to be a, a really fun individual matchup to watch. You're absolutely right. Because I think if you were to rank the units in this game, and this is where I'm going with this, if you were to rank the units in this game, I think it's fair to say in some order, Rockwall Heath offense, Temple defense, 1A, 1B, mm-hmm. right? Next would come the Temple offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, next come the Temple offense. Mm-hmm. 
then there would be probably a sizable gap. Yeah. And then, and then you'd get to the Heath defense, and which is their, their second best unit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say, it's putting it nice. So it's, it's, hey, it's facts, though. It's not opinions. It's yeah, facts. I know. It's facts. And, yeah. and so it's going to, like, that is where I think Temple has the edge is, yes. can, is if there's one team I trust to get off the field, it's Temple. Mm-hmm. Heath's, Heath's off defense has left something to be desired. So unless they can come up and, and, and maybe, you know, look, Maybe a lot of this comes down to rattling a young offense, right? Rattling guys, getting in the getting in Umberto Arizmendi's grill and and making him start questioning himself. But I also think that the Temple offense against the Heath defense is a very favorable, uh, very favorable matchup for the Wildcats, which is why I think they're probably your favorite here. I would agree. Yeah. Okay, that's two. What is your third and final pick, Matthew? I'm going to stay in the Metroplex uh, with a five A Division two game. Uh, I'm going to go to Kincaid Stadium Friday night, 7.30, as the South Oak Cliff Golden Bears take on the Frisco Raccoons for the third consecutive year uh, in the area round playoffs. And it's the rubber match. These two teams uh, have split the last two meetings. Sock won the meeting in 2017. Frisco won last year in 2018. So, you know, we're, we're going to break the tie this year. But this year, the game's, in, the game's on Sock's turf. You know, these, these first two years, the game was played at the Star. And this year, Sox said, no, nah, we're tired of going to the Star. Frisco, why don't you go ahead and come south and come to our neck of the woods and uh, play at Kincaid Stadium on Friday night. So uh, Sox gets the home game against against Frisco. And uh, the Golden Bears did not get a chance to play in the first round of the playoffs. They had their game against uh, Arlington Seguin canceled due to COVID. Um, and so Sox earned the forfeit win. Uh, but what, one thing I, that I've noticed about Sox this year is that the offense, which had a lot of struggles last year, is not – not seeing those same struggles this year. And, and I think part of it is the play of their young quarterback, Kevin Henry Jennings. Um, they re, revamped their offensive system in the offseason, hired a new offensive coordinator. And I think uh, Jennings is really starting to uh, adapt and, and, and kind of feel comfortable in that offensive system. But it also helps to have two Division One running backs behind you. And Cam mm-hmm. Davis and uh, Mike uh, and Titus. Uh, Davis is committed to San Diego State. Titus committed to Texas Southern. Um, and then you know about Sox defense. They've got D1 guys all over the place. Three D1 commits in uh, Stanford uh, commit Jimmy Wyrick, Arizona State commit Jaden Williams, and Boise State commit uh, Jai Jones. The strength of the Sox defense, however, is in the back seven. That's where Sock really makes their money is in the secondary and in the mm-hmm. linebacker court. Their defensive line is not bad, but I'd say it's the third best unit on their on their defense. But that's a problem going against Frisco in that wing T offense. Uh, Frisco is going to line up and they are going to run right at you. Uh, Karee Green uh, and uh, Sione Usma Harper, um, two excellent runners. Uh, Green's the quarterback and kind of pilots that offense. And even though Jeff Harbert and, and company have, have, have diversified the offense a little bit, they still make their money and their bread and butter is the wing T offense. And they are going to line up and they're going to run right at sock and they're going to dare stock to stop them. And the, the key in this game is stock has got to get lined up correctly and they've got to, they got to be in the right places, and they've got to stay disciplined and play. Not necessarily assignment football, but they can't lose gap integrity uh, because those counters and traps that Frisco is going to throw at them uh, can really bust things open. Um, the the game changer for Frisco is Chase Lowry. He's their Arkansas commit. Does it on both sides of the ball. Um, had a couple of interceptions last week. Returned one for a touchdown. He also ran for a score and, th- and had a touchdown reception. So he yeah. you know, just blew away Roy City. That, that surprised me. I thought Roy, I thought Frisco would beat Roy City. I did not think they would win that game fifty two to nine. 
So yeah. even though I'm picking sock in this game, barely, um, that Frisco win over Royce City gives me a little bit of pause. That's a pretty good Royce City team. Um, so I'm, I'm leaning the sock. I'm going to give them the edge, home field advantage, but I don't feel great about that pick. This is a really tight ball game. Yeah, this is a tight ball game. And one thing I think is going to be really interesting is um, does it matter that Sock didn't play last week? You know, Sock uh, advanced via forfeit uh, because Arlington Seguin couldn't couldn't play. So, you know, does that extra week is it be, is it beneficial? Is it um, is it a plus? Is it a minus? Is it a net net neutral? You know what I mean? That's something to keep in mind. For Frisco, yeah, I think that you're right. I think that like Sock will have a decided speed advantage here, like a. St- almost stark speed advantage. That's not to say Frisco's slow. Sock's just that fast. You know, they got guys who can fly. And so can Frisco, especially on their defense, mitigate that speed? That's a big question for me in, in this one. And, and yeah, the other one is, is of course, Sock against the wing tee, because I think that's a really going to be really interesting to see them. They got to, you know, you, you say it's, 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 the wing tee is, how do I say this? I'm gonna make some wing tee people mad. Oh. The wing tee's not complicated. It's it's not like it's it's not the kind of offense that is so multiple and so confusing that like you can't stop it. What it is is it is assignment football, good tackling, diagnosing the play quickly and acting on it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and and but when you haven't seen it very much. That's difficult in one week, and that's why we like teams that run the sl- slot T, the wing T, et cetera, especially early in the playoffs with teams that have it. So, yeah, I think that you're right. This is a really, in, 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 really intriguing comp- uh, uh, matchup here at Kincaid. Go to Kincaid. That'll be a fun matchup. Okay. Finally, my third and final pick, Matthew. We are going to head to – let me make sure of this. Let's go. Ah. Uh, Oh, I'm sad I can't be there. Let's go to one of my favorite stadiums in America. Let's go to Mesquite Memorial Stadium. Ah, yes. Friday night as the unbeaten Lancaster Tigers take on the 8-2 and two Longview Lobos. And uh, it's two of our favorite coaches. Two, two favorite coaches. Two coaches who have an immense amount of respect for one another. Uh, two, two, two programs that I think, even though they are so starkly different and far apart, I think are run in a similar way. I think that it's, it's trickle down from the coaches. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's the same, it's the same guys, Chris Gilbert at Lancaster and John King at Longview. And yet it's, it's kind of easy to just boil this down to speed versus power, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of kind of you know that's not to say that lakeser doesn't have any power and and longview doesn't have any speed but boy howdy man lancaster can fly lancaster's got a ton of dudes okay when you're talking about magic rector you're talking about stefan johnson you're talking about dalen thompson you're talking about dq james even their quarterback glenn rice can run i mean they can all go now, there is one big looming if about Lancaster, which is, boy, they ain't played nobody. They, yeah. I mean, their be- their best win was that thrown together. I mean, maybe their win last week over Frisco Wakeland is their best win now. But, I mean, between that, 
And that went over Grapevine's nice, you know? It's solid. It's, it's Grapevine's in the area around the playoffs. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, other than Wakeland and Grapevine recently, they really hadn't played anybody. No. I mean, po- uh, no, nothing, nobody of note, really. No. Uh, as opposed to Longview. Because Longview's played everybody, man. Longview yeah. has run a gauntlet. And furthermore, Longview has a couple of games that have aged pretty well. Okay? Like, yes, they got their they got their breaks beat off by Temple in the opener. Mm-hmm. Well, we just got done talking about Temple. They're pretty you know what good. I mean? Pretty good. They're pretty good. Uh, they go and uh, they they beat Tyler Legacy in non-district mm-hmm. to 618 that's in the area round of the playoffs. Right. Yep. Uh, they beat Beaumont Westbrook in non-district. Well, that's an area round of the playoffs. Beaumont Westbrook team on a neutral site. Right. They lost to Highland Park, but they that was a one score game. Yeah. Five, um, five points. Right. Yeah. And then they beat Lufkin last week. I mean, this is a battle tested Longview team. And look, I think a lot of this comes down to this is the first time we are going to see anybody anybody who can out muscle Lancaster yes. and what happens then, yeah. you know, cause that's, that's the big question because Lancaster's the faster team. Lancaster's got if the, the, the better weaponry, right? Um, I love Caden Meredith, what he does at Longview. Uh, but, but he, he is, he would, he is basically the, the, the skill guy that would start off for, for Lancaster and they'd platoon him with DQ James. You know what I mean? Like, this they will have the speed advantage and the skill position advantage, but Longview, it appears, will have the advantage up front. And what happens then? Because for Lancaster, if they've been beat up in the trenches in a game, it just hasn't mattered because they've been so much more talented on the outside. That's not going to be that kind of advantage in this game. And so what happens then? And I'll tell you this. If Lancaster goes out and they beat the brakes off of Longview, which I don't think will happen, but if it does, that's, uh, suddenly some... next week against Denton Ryan yeah. gets real interesting. Yep. Yeah, I think so too. I think this is a this is just the gauntlet you got to run in Region Two, Five A Division One. Yeah. You know, Denton Ryan's got a tough game against College Station this week. Mm-hmm. Lancaster's playing Longview this week. Um, Magnolia Park, Lone Star. Magnolia Lone Star. Highland Park's got a solid game against. Uh, Frisco Independence. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a getting down to the nitty yeah. gritty. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Those are your, um, yeah. That's the that's your draft. Uh, step took. Let's see. What'd you take? What's your first pick? Oh, so you took Cypher, Katie Tompkins, mm-hmm. Midland Lee, Euless Trinity, and you took uh, South Oakland Frisco. I took Liberty Hill, Bernie Champion. I didn't write this down. Liberty Hill, Bernie Champion, uh, Rockwell Heath Temple, and I took Lancaster and Longview. It's not even to mention, by the way, uh, I think uh, Denton Ryan College Station has a chance to be interesting. Uh, I think Cedar Park, Richmond, Foster is very interesting. Very interesting. Yes, very much that's, so. That's a perfect example of when we were talking about earlier, um, uh, last week on the, on the podcast, when we were talking about the differences between like like that region three is full of such high variance teams. And then there's one team that's just steady. It's like, well, here's a test to that, you know, because Richmond Foster is maybe the highest variance team in that region. No doubt. And and when they, when they play good, like when they play, when they play as well as they can, I mean this, they can win the state championship. (laughs) Like they're that good. They're that talented, but then sometimes they just straight up no show and it'll be interesting to see that. But you know, 
He'll be a... I'm, I'm super interested in Pine, Sherryland Pioneer and Marble Falls. You want to talk about <laughs> two completely diametrically opposed offensive philosophies. Pioneer and Marble Falls is uh, your game because it is. Marble be Falls fun. is a true slot T offense with Brian Herman, who is one of the uh, OGs of the slot T mafia against uh, Pioneer and head coach Tom Lee, who is a spread guy through and through. And he has got the number one spread quarterback in our Slack mentions, Eddie Lee Marburger. Um, hashtag let ELM cook. Let ELM cook. Yeah, yep. that's what's going to be so. I think I think that game's so much fun. Uh, and then, by the way, let's also shout out the game that you're going to on Friday afternoon between the four yes. between the four A games. Yes. Um, Alito North, North Forty. They scrimmaged earlier. They scrimmaged in in August or not August, but in September when the five A and six A scrimmage. And North Forty went toe to toe with Alito. So they ain't uh-huh. scared. They ain't gonna be scared uh-huh. of Alito. I know that. So and and uh, is Everman gonna beat Lovejoy? No, I don't think so. But hey, go Bulldogs! Let's go Bulldogs. My, 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 the Slack was a fun place Friday night. Is my alma mater? <laughs> the Everman Bulldogs are the last alma mater in the, of the DCTF right. crew left standing because Coppell lost yep. and uh, Lano uh, sadly Lano lost. lost. And uh, Maynard had a rough year. It was a rough Maynard year. Maynard had a rough year. Pleasanton missed the playoffs. No, uh, they got in. They got they got a oh. sixty. They got a sixty spot hung on them in the first round. By LB, <laughs> okay. So well, they my sorry, bad. Sorry. sorry. Sorry, well, so, yes. Yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah, I guess I have nothing else to say. I'm do- I'm so done talking to you, dude. Yeah, I think I, I think we've recorded like three hours worth of podcasts this week, and oh. that's not even mentioning all the like the 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 conversations we've had like off the air. So well, enjoy it, people. I know, it's I know. Ever- well, next, you know what's amazing? Next week we're only doing one of these. Things. Yeah, but until they screw, until you, until they screw you. <laughs> That's gonna do it for us. Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider and Step. Thanks for your courage. Thank you. I'll talk to you next week on Tap and Step. Mm-hmm.